who would bear the hopes and future of our people. Let the voice of their guns express the words of freedom. Greetings to the people and fellow comrade brothers and sisters. My name is Sin Q, and to my comrades I am known as Sin. I am a black man and a representative of black people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. Like, welcome to another exciting episode of the Symbionese Liberation Army. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of it. A lot of detail, a lot of detail work in that. But you know what? Like I said, got to make it the hub. We're building a wheel, making the hub. Now we got the spokes. Now we're going to put some tires on it. All righty. So, Holly, how do you feel about the first episode so far? I liked it. Excellent. I'm excited to continue on with the story. Awesome. Okay, now before we get into that, uh, what are you drinking, Holly? Well, I am drinking a hot French roast with Italian sweet cream. Very nice. I'm uh, drinking a Spanish latte, so ha I win on the level of greatness. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, before we get into it, uh, a couple of things. we got to get into our disclaimer. We are... Normal, regular, standard folks, this is for entertainment purposes only. If you don't like it, well, I don't know how you couldn't like it. This is gold. This is great stuff. Can't make it up. Can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen. This is awesome. But also, hair-raising, and it kind of makes you think. Really, people? Yes, really, people. Alrighty. And let's see, what else are we going? Oh, yes. Let us know what you think. We want some. We need. We need feedback, folks. We need it. We need it like a fat cake needs cake. Mm. Oh. We need it. <laughs> so hit us up. Let us know what you think. The Facebook fan page at Colts Coffee and Conversation. Of course, we have our Instagram, Colts Coffee Convo. And then we have the Twitter machine, Twitter, at Colts Coffee Con 1. That's Colts Coffee Con and the number 1. And then, of course, we have our Gmail account, our email account. Hit us up there as well at Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. And we also do have the recording message one as well, Holly. Yes, you can record a voice memo on your iPhone or Samsung or whatever you have and send it off to our Gmail account, which is cultscoffeeconvo at gmail.com. And then we can listen to your voice and hear your comments. Yes, please let us know. Give us five stars. We are on everything from that purple icon on your iPhone it says podcast. It says podcast to everything else. If there's a podcast, we're a podcast spot on your phone. We're on it. All right. So come on, folks. Give us a ch- give us a chance to use that algorithm that they have to climb us up the charts, make us more popular, and more popular means better stuff, better quality, better everything. Anyway, are you ready to get into this? I am ready. Let's get into this. Okay, Holly, take it away. We well, first of all, we left off at kind of a little quick refresher. There. We had a little bios of everyone involved. That's right. And we kind of put together how they met each other. That's correct. And we established who was the leader. Yep. And we also talked about Vacaville, which was where they all met and what kind of place that was. Yes. All right. So let's get into it now. Okay. So interestingly enough, Donald DeFries in December of 1972 was transferred from Vacaville to Soledad Prison. Now, Soledad Prison is not too far away Mm. from Vacaville, Mm. still in the Bay Area. Because of his positive disciplinarian record, he was on an assignment working at a training facility for guards off the main prison campus. 
Now, this is really kind of funny that he was left alone on duty because a guard had something more important to do. Mm. And this was at night, so who knows what that guard had to do. Right. He took the opportunity to go through an open door, scale a six-foot chain fence, and head to the Bay Area to join up with the friends that he made at the Vacaville prison. Ah. Now, they were living in a place called the Peking House in North Oakland. It's a communal living space where the SLA took shape in the summer and fall of 1973. Mm. Now, this Peking House was owned by someone who I think had some kind of a store that sold... I, I, I don't want to say Chinese things because that sounds kind of funny, but vegetables or something. Gotcha. He met up with all of his friends from Vacaville, mm-hmm. but he was worried that the authorities were looking for him. By the way, they were not looking for him. He was such a low-level offender, I guess, at the time, they never even sent out a search warrant. Mm. Oh, well. <laughs> So he asked Russell Little to find a different place to live. And he moved in with Ms. Moon, Sultasik, and Nancy Ling Perry in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Oh, Berkeley. Mm. Mm. So through Ms. Moon, DeFries met Camilla Hall, who was a Berkeley artist. And by the late summer, the SLA roster also included Joe Ramiro, a Vietnam veteran activist who was a friend of Little and William Wolfe. As DeFree's circle of politically aware friends widened, he also came to know Angela Atwood, 25, who had been a friend of William and Emily Harris, later members of the SLA. They formed a band of criminals, creating the Symbionese Liberation Army SLA. Now, this is how the Symbionese came. You know, we we hear that, and it kind of sounds like a real word, but not. Right, yeah, like a made-up word. Yeah, it is a made-up word. Now, Donald DeFreeze created the word Symbionese from the word Symbium... Ooh, I can't say it, because <laughs> I'm used to it. It's symbiosis. Symbiosis. He envisioned a fruitful alliance of different ideas and people... There would be a goal of freedom, thus liberation. He would wage war against the status quo with an army. Mm. The symbol the Freeze adopted, a seven-headed cobra, representing one of the seven principles of African heritage. Mm. It's kind of interesting how they're having freedom, thus liberation. Right. He would wage war against the status quo with an army. That sounds violent. Mm-hmm. That's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And a cobra. Is that something that sounds all fluffy? Nope. A seven-headed one? Well, I mean, he wanted more of an intimidating one instead of a seven-headed bunny. <laughs> I guess so. Mm-hmm. Now, he fancied himself a leader of the African-American people, even though he was the only black person in the SLA. Hmm. He did not support the election of Bobby Seale hmm. to Oakland mayor, who was backed by the Black Panthers. So Bobby Seale is black. Yes, ah. and he was running for the mayor 
of Oakland, mm-hmm. backed by the Black Panthers, but DeFries did not support that. So he's kind of left of left at yeah. this point. Right. No, left. Ha ha, ha ha. Okay. Now, DeFries fixated against a different rival. This is a person who was the Oakland superintendent of schools, Marcus Foster. Mm. And he had a delusion that he and Foster were in a death struggle for control of Oakland, Hmm. when in reality, Foster did not even know who DeFries was. Hmm. DeFries vowed only one of them would survive. Now, Carl, you have uh, some interesting facts that you would like to bring out. Well, yeah, yeah, the SLA, the Symbionese Liberation Army, a couple things. They label themselves as anti-racism. Okay, and anti-capitalism, and also known as the New Left. Now, the people that he, who he does not like, are both black. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's very ironic how this is, you say one thing, but you do another. Plus, he's the only black person in the group. Yeah, that's just... I mean, there, I guess you could call it anti-racial in that sense where black and white are together. Okay. But where's everybody else? Exactly. So, that just is weird. Anyway, so let's talk about Marcus Foster. Now, Marcus Foster alone, he's a very brilliant individual. So, it needs to be, uh, we're going to break him down in detail. Now, he attended public schools in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now, he graduated in South Philadelphia High School. Now, his mother, Alice, fostered uh, Marcus' mastery of uh, standard English. He spoke the King's English very well. And he, uh, by highlighting its uh, importance as a dominant syntax. Now, he graduated from Cheyenne State College in 1947. And he earned his Doctorate of Education from the University of Penn, which is an Ivy League school. So, you know. Is it like University of Pennsylvania? That is correct. University of Pennsylvania. Now, from 1957 to 1970, he taught in Philadelphia and was the principal of Dunbar Elementary, and then OV Catholic School for Boys, and of course, Grants High School in Philadelphia. So he's very educated. He's very, you know, you don't BS your way to get to where he's at. You're no, he had a long... I guess what you would call a resume of education and possibly in difficult districts. We don't know for sure. Well, no, Philadelphia is considered to be a rough town. So, yes, it's a rough spot, rough spot to be in. But he did it for quite some time. Now, in 1969, he uh, reclaimed the, uh, the Philadelphia Award. The award is called the Philadelphia Award. Okay. Which is recognized individual who made a positive contribution to the city. So he's very well known in the city of Philadelphia. Now he decided to make a move professionally. He decided to move to Oakland in 1970, and when he was appointed to be the superintendent of Oakland Public Schools. Now, he is also known as Oakland's first black superintendent, so he's breaking barriers everywhere he goes. But what makes me raise my eyebrow at this is that you have Mr. DeFreeze here who wants to get rid of him. Why? Not sure why. Not sure why. It makes no sense to me. Because... And he's also against the the election of Bobby Seale, who's a Black Panther. Well, he was was backed by the Black Panthers for the Oakland mayor. Right. 
think he race. was a Black Panther, though. I don't know if he was. Well, maybe. Yeah, I think I think I, th- I think he is a Black Panther. Okay. To be honest with you, I I believe he is. But either or, he's backed by the Black Panther by the Black community. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's who he considers himself to be a leader of the what? Black community. That's what he how he feels himself yes. to be. Even but though he does not have any other pe- black person in following it. SLA. Yeah, makes no sense to me. In 1973, Foster unfortunately was assassinated uh, by the members of who? The Simeonese Liberation Army. Now, the SO claimed to kill Foster because he allegedly supported a plan to create a student identification card system in Oakland that proponents claims that would help to keep non-student drug dealers off campus. That sounds like a good idea to me because guess what every high schooler and junior high schooler has to do when they go onto campus on their orientation day. Get your picture taken to get your what? ID card. So how is this? It's to protect the kids. It makes sense to me. Just saying. Just throwing it out. In reality, Foster opposed the identification card system. So they didn't do their homework on them at all. They worked to, to water down the plan. The SLA also objected to police officers in the schools, but again, they were mistaken as to Foster's proposition. Now, Foster has stated that he would not allow police officers in the schools. Foster was shot eight times with hollow-point bullets that had been packed with cyanide. So, that is just a portion of what brought them to the forefront in the news. Before they killed Foster, on November 6, 1973, the group moved to Concord, Mm. which is a suburban city in the East Bay of San Francisco Mm. and 20 miles north of Berkeley. Ah. They rented a house under the names of George and Nancy DeVoto. Once in the house, they are able to collect guns and ammunition, collect maps of possible hiding places. Now, this would be like abandoned mines in the Sierra Nevadas. And to rehearse violent scenarios in the closed quarters of the house. I can kind of imagine what a mess that house was in in all reality. If they're practicing scenarios of violence. Yeah. I mean, all those people. It's a lot of people. I don't know if they were really into cleaning and keeping things up. Who knows? (laughs) I know. Yeah. Well, about two months after... The Marcus Foster assassination, mm-hmm. January 10th, 1974, mm-hmm. Russell Little and Joseph Ramiro had a confrontation with the police. They were stopped in Concord in the early morning hours in a beat-up van. Now, Concord was a nice suburb. I don't know what it is now, but it was then, and they had this beat-up van, so late night, beat-up van. Looks suspicious. Looks suspicious. So Russell Little gave the policeman a fake license and a fake name. But Ramiro gave him his real license. And then the cop noticed there was black curtains in the back windows of the van. The officer started questioning Ramiro. Ramiro showed him an automatic revolver stuffed in his waist. Now, I guess it was not going well with this interview with this police officer. An idiot. The officer retreated to his car and called it in. Gunshots were exchanged. Now, Russell Little took off in the van, and Ramiro ran off on foot. The van with Little came racing back to the scene because he got lost in the maze of the neighborhood. 
He was arrested, and the SLA propaganda was found in the back of the van. <laughs> After Romero ran around the neighborhood for over four hours, he gave himself up to the police. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't know their way around there at all. No, they didn't. This just comes to my mind about some things. People usually retreat to familiar places. Right. Just like when Susan Alamo took off back to Arkansas. Right. It was familiar. She knew the ropes there. Yeah. Them getting this house in Concord, I don't believe, was a good step. Right. No, that was that was dumb. Yeah. That was dumb because that would basically create a whole bunch of commotion, of course, you know, and I guess this all took place about two blocks away from the headquarter house in Concord. So DeFreeze, Nancy Ling, and Ms. Moon decided to leave the house immediately. They ran. Well, yeah, because they... They had weapons yes. and everything stashed. And I think it hit the news. Oh, you know it did. Yeah, it hit the news. These two people, they were arrested. This is all this uh, SLA propaganda. And... I'm pretty sure they may have had their address on and how stupid they sound like Oh, they and were. also, I do remember that Russell Little said they were looking for the Devoto home. Ah, so yes. that's all they would have to do is, you know, a matter of time that the detectives would uh, circle back around to their house. Right. So yeah. what happened, Carl? Basically, the decision to do with the paperwork was to burn the house down because who knows what they had in there, right? So he had Nancy, Ms. Moon uh, worked on dumping the gunpowder and the gasoline throughout the house. Unfortunately, they did not open the windows. So if they wanted to light the fire, the oxygen got all burned out. So therefore, it couldn't keep breathing. So obviously, the the it did some damage to the house, but the fire left nothing but evidence. They did just because the windows were closed, the oxygen was burned out, so it just died. The cops came there. The police discovered all the stuff. Police did not secure the crime scene, so the news people were able to actually go into the house and pilfer through all the evidence. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. I don't understand, but you know, there's a lot of things like that all the way through until now. These big mistakes that the police make, they should have made it a crime scene. It was a crime scene tape, just put a wrap around it, done. Yeah, we're done. But no, they allowed the press to go through. Uh, who knows? That's what they did. I mean, who knows as far as what were they thinking? You just don't know. I guess it became maybe, a Maybe it was Concord PD, so it's not like they're used to heavy things going on in that's now, true that kind of stuff. And it was so, a, like a little bedroom city and it wasn't like the big inner city at this point yeah no it's just basically it's a suburb it's like yes they probably just didn't know they probably just didn't realize in all of this commotion the group decided to move to daly city and that's a city directly south of san francisco there defreeze adopted a more military style of leadership he said they would address themselves with their code names, and they started planning a kidnapping. Ooh. And right there, we're going to stop. Picture it, guys. Now they're on the run from, well, not on the run. They're what? Oh, yeah, they're on the run because they discovered evidence in the Concord house. And they have Russell Little and Joe Romero. That's right. So we haven't even correct. gone through that no, yet. We, haven't gone we through will that next yet. time. Though. Next time we'll get into it. So there you go, guys. There's the cliffhanger on that. Kidnapping. People going to prison. Real prison. And on that, good night, Holly.